Welcome to the Must Love Self Podcast. My name is Carly Israel, and I'm your host. Every week, I get to interview a beautiful, courageous, strong woman who is willing to share her ugly and beautiful with the world. Must Love Self is a podcast, a movement, and a decision. It is about women lifting other women up, women holding each other women accountable, and women finding their way along this path. I hope you enjoy. La, 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 la. I want to introduce you, even though we've already started talking, because we could probably talk forever. We've loved each other for years on social media, and we get to finally sit Zoom to Zoom, face to face. I've got Maggie Stafford on her. She is a model. She is not only a model, she's a model citizen and human for me. I said jokingly, but I wasn't joking. This woman that we're about to meet could be the face and body and mindset and soul of Must Love Self by how she carries herself. So Maggie, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, I am thrilled to be here. Why did you say yes? I was like, so not only, I've got to tell you, not only did I say yes, but when I saw, um, the first graphics for your podcast, when I started hearing your voice, when I started really seeing, because we're, we're, we were friends before that, um, when I started seeing it come together, I like stood up off my couch <laughs> laughing in my living room. One of my, my favorite people was my ballet instructor for my whole life, even into adulthood. And at the end of every class, we clap for each other, for ourselves, for the whole room. Um, we, we clap. And at the end of most of my modeling shoots, I stop and clap, but I'm not clapping for me clapping for the art director, for the people who invited me there, for the editors, the photographers, you know, just for the collaboration. I so. love we clap for each other. I'm taking so many beautiful gems from each woman. And I know that you're going to throw down so many. But one of the things I keep hearing again and again is that we have to stop talking shit about each other. We have to stop judging each other as women. And we have to start clapping and standing up and clapping and not thinking that because of our choices that might look different or our lives that might look different, that anyone's better or worse. So I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Or that, or that we are somehow incapable of finding ourselves in that person's situation. That's a, that's a dangerous wire to decide to walk out on. And it's completely unnecessary. And, uh, and I love that you call them little gems because these are not, you know, I've got a few that just flew out of my mouth, but I know who conjured it when I said it, but so much of, you know, what I have to share is because other women had come to me and it was pulling me aside into a coat room or stopping me before I went in a meeting to literally warn me, you're going to get ambushed or you know, these other little things where they hand you something and say, makes me emotional. You're, you're going to need this, but you can do it. I love that. And that's what we need to be doing for each other is you can do it. We can do it. We can do hard things. And I've got you, you're not doing this alone. I'm clapping for you. I'm cheering you on. And I love this concept that there's enough seashells for us all, that there's not just one space for us. We all can be here. Right. They're infinite. It's a process. And I think that's what you, 
when you ask me what, why did I say yes? What did I love? What you are cracking wide open here that uh, society, media, um, print advertising, capitalism in general, um, the majority of women's inner voice has told us that, you know, that we're not worthy. And also mainly people don't want to see your process. Keep it to yourself. We don't want to see you struggle on those first two sit-ups. Nobody, I used to weigh like maybe 120 pounds more than I did, like than I do right now. And I've probably been about 60 pounds lighter. So I feel very comfortable speaking about how women are treated in different bodies because I've had the experience of living in different bodies and we are treated differently. Um, so we can't I, pretend it's not real. It is real. No, no, you can't. No, you cannot pretend it's not real. Not at all. You know, I had, I've, I've run into my brother's former classmates who, uh, threw food on me in the lunchroom, who called me fat, who made fun of my clothing over PA systems during, um, theater in front of, <laughs> in front of a whole room full of people. And how old were you then? That, oh, that one happens on multiple occasions and a couple of times the same group of guys, um, middle school through junior and high school. And they were much older than I was too. I mean, this was me being accosted by guys who they really, it, and you know, I do think, in, and, and I am also somebody is who, as much as I will openly share what my experience has been with men, I love them deeply. I have sons. Um, these boys thought they were being funny. There were things that these boys had in their life that they were constantly being told uh, they were inadequate uh, for as far as, you know, sports or their muscle mass or their intelligence or their ADHD. And so even at that time, it was not a situation where I uh, burst into tears or where I got really upset. Um, I was raised by a school administrator. So really, and my, I'm just like, taking it in my head, like, I know what you need. <laughs> so you um, didn't feel that deeply when that, that was happening? No, I was, a I was angry that it happened because I was acutely aware that if, uh, if they were doing that to me, they were definitely doing that to other people. Wow. That is really mature to be like that, to get to that place at that age, because at that age for me, everything was only about me. Right. So when the guys were doing that, I wasn't thinking how they were doing that to all the other girls. But I love yeah. this. I mean, because you're a mother of boys and so am I. And this concept, and I see it all the time, that boys think they're being funny and they get the reinforcement from their friends when they're being air quote funny by making fun of, regardless of your gender, making fun of somebody else. The, the thing that we're not willing to admit is in that mix is, is a really big painful thorn. And it's the fact that we give men and boys really, really few outlets to tell us that they're hurt. We don't give them these outlets to say that they're hurt. We don't give them, them a space to heal from that hurt. We give them very few tools. And then when we see those manifestations, uh, we often work quick to punish them for it or demonize them for it. And, and sometimes rightfully so when something very hurtful has occurred or they've shot 20 children or they've raped small girls or they've beaten their mother's head in. When it gets to the point that it's that egregious, we pay attention. But up until then, we just, we're, we're walking around telling everybody, 
you know, we really only want to deal with the worst of it and we want to put it on display. And if everybody else survives and, and doesn't crack, we don't care, but good for you. Who Maggie is, is massive. I want to know if you'd be willing to give your inner voice a rating based on one is your inner voice is unkind and loud and kind of takes over 10 is your inner voice is either not too loud or you can make peace with it and it doesn't run your life where you are today in terms of your own image of your body. Okay. Totally in terms of my body. Yeah. We're going to get to three different areas, but in terms of, it doesn't have to be like in terms of what you think your body looks like in terms of how your inner voice talks you about your body. I, um, soft <laughs> and gentle and so kind with so that's myself. like a 10 like a 10 but like even even more than that because I will like defend against the degraders or the physician who is the dismisser or the handsy officer or whatever so yeah t- 10 plus has it ever been lower uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have, I would say at some point in my life experienced, you know, every number. And there are days now that I wouldn't say that I speak to myself unkindly, but as someone who struggles with a lot of chronic illness, I have to perpetually accept changes in my body. I have to perpetually accept needs that change, dietary needs that change, mm. uh, skin that changes because medication, hair that changes. Um, but when I, I assess those things and I tend to those things, uh, I notice those things deeply, but I don't approach tending to them with any negative feeling or any shame. So for those who don't know, cause none of, you know, we know each other through when we got on here, cause it's the first time we've seen each other face to face live. We got on here. I said, Maggie, how did we fall in love? Because I have these women on social media that I've known for years and I don't know how we are like soul sisters, but we are. And she reminded me it's because we have medically fragile children. I don't even know what the right term is, but we both have kiddos that, oh, yeah. right, <laughs> um, that struggle with medical stuff and, and we both do. And so what a great reminder for those who struggle so hard with not accepting their body as it is, try adding the layer of, and <laughs> your body doesn't do what it's supposed to do as a human for the age appropriate that it's supposed to be when it just shuts down because our bodies do that medically back to we clap for each other is we need to believe each other in all realm in every area right so look the fact that there's a me too movement is bullshit because why why have we not been able to say any of this before because nobody believes us Well, exactly. And the fact that, um, I I mean, I am a sexual assault uh, survivor. I was victimized by by my physician while I was in the hospital. Yeah, as an adult uh, with higher education and, you know, human violence studies. So like when this guy came in and started bargaining with me for, you know, what being NPO is, um, maybe if you've got a lot Without of GI food, issues, yeah, no food or water. You don't yeah. need to put anything in your mouth, people. And, and nobody's bringing it to you. Not ice chips, not water, nothing. And he came back into my room and I'm, I've, I've derailed from the other story, but that's okay. This is important. Um, he started bargaining with me. I bet you're, I you know, I bet you're in pain. I bet you're hungry. And it was like very much a situation of, I'll give you what you want. You give me what I want. And when I wouldn't give him what he want, he decided to take it. 
and that was a situation where I had always been, you know, I am a physically capable individual. (laughs) I can deadlift my husband. I throw bales of hay. I walk a lot of miles. I carry a 90 pound backpack. You know, this doctor, uh, while I was being assaulted to make it brief, I was again, a situation where I had been an advocate and then a victim. So I was so acutely aware that in this situation, as a strong person, I had always told myself, somebody touches you, you're going to kill them. And I make no qualms about that because good people don't go assaulting other people. What occurred to me, um, and I, and I love this as someone who um, thinks um, not with imagination, but through imagination, because it allows me, I mean, my thoughts were whirlwind at this point. I know who you are. I know what you are. In the back of my mind, I'm picking out what shoes I'm wearing to depositions. In the front of my mind, I know that if I scream for help right now, he's going to call a nurse and say, I assaulted him or I was combative and I'm going to end up in a cycle, you know, a psych ward being held or worse, I'm going to end up in an unconscious state and he's going to come back in. Yes. And I already know what he's doing. So long story short, um, I finished. He told me he was going to do it again. And I had just finished watching Brock Turner walk out of prison that morning. And I knew I needed inequivocal proof. I took my phone the next day when I knew he would be coming back, um, stuck it into a mum that my friend had given me and recorded the entire thing. And uh, thankfully a nurse uh, who had been taking such great care of me, her sisterhood senses were tingling and she walked in and stopped him. Uh, but unfortunately, I, my state medical examiners were great. Um, his license was suspended, but I found out at that time, and it's suspended for 20 years, which honestly is as egregious as that might sound or like pitiful as that might sound. That is so much better than what most people get. I started Googling, what do you do when your doctor assaults you? And, you know, even on PDFs that were linked to rain, there are warnings that you need to be careful of who you accuse because they're, you'll never win against their insurance. And that, that, you know, all of these things that are coming up, I'm like, this is your answer. This you know, I was thinking there's gotta be a hotline for this. It's terrifying <laughs> with it so is. much and information. You don't know what you're talking about. You are uh, so, so informed. With his admission and with the, a, a fine page to the medical board with his medical license taken, he was not a U.S. citizen. So I was aware he was going to try to leave the country, but also aware uh, that he would have to leave the country because his visa was tied to his job. That, you know, I'm not, that's not, some, I'm not faulting him for fleeing. If I were him, that's exactly what I would do. But I do fault the attorneys and the investigators involved who gave me the brush off who have since called me, uh, you know, years later and are you over this? He'd really like, you know, it would help his career if he could be speaking at conferences. And are you kidding me? And I can't say his name and tell, until, until they arrest him. I made my, my agreements were strange on this. And I added a lot of legal caveats, uh, to, to this situation. I hope that eventually he is arrested. I'm so glad that you talked about this because it's going right to our, the next two, I want you to, to rate yourself on, which I know have to be through this, the roof. What would you rate your worth? Hmm. Funny. I could, I'm a big lover of duality and thinking. 
uh, because we really uh, hinder ourselves when we aren't willing to be many things or to view ourselves in these different lights. So I would say from, you know, if I was speaking at a modeling convention, I would say, as high as there is. If I were speaking in an ecology convention, I would fully admit that I do not find myself any more important than any particular dandelion or any particular newt (laughs) or, you know, or any of those other things. So I think that Um, You know, I see it as really taking the spectrum of self-worth and really turning it into a circle and bringing that back together because I found that I have been able to experience so much personal freedom and really a depth of a self-worth by finding, as my friend Katie would say, my humble rolled in glitter, (laughs) you know, it's it's okay to you know, to know what's good about you, but it's not okay to think that your, you know, to wade into that area of self-worth that might feel positive, but isn't where we're telling ourselves that we are better than any other person. I want to make it clear for me and for this purpose, when I say what level is your worth, I mean, do you know you are worthy of being treated fair, of being treated with respect and kindness, of not being in a relationship where someone takes advantage of you and treats you shitty? Like, that kind of worth of not measuring how your level of success, air quote success, whatever that looks like is based off of anything other than who you are, period. Yeah. And this probably still, I'm not absolutely, I agree. And I love that you really framed that. And the reason I threw those other things out there is because I know that your listenership is growing so much (laughs) and there's going to be those few people who in the process, and it's okay, it's even, it's okay if this happens, ladies, if in the process, we find times where we are, I call it sharpening that self-worth. And sometimes you're going to poke somebody and you got to have friends that say, not quite, sis, you missed, you know, or that was inappropriate or no, you really are acting a little self-important because it's, again, you almost can't have one without the other. You can't. We've all hit the brakes hard when we're trying to learn how to drive a car. I just found out a couple of weeks ago that I stink at photography. What the heck? Like I had really been, I, people take pictures of me. So it seemed to me, I'm like, you could take pictures of other things. No, no, not even close. But you know what I love about what you just said? (laughs) As a group of women and as friends to each other, we do need to be honest about in in a respectful, kind way. And what I love about this whole process for me is I get to keep learning. You know, I had just had a guest on this episode this this last week, Wendy, who talked to me about certain words that I was saying that were triggering things for her. I listened and that was really relatable to me because I've been having a lot of those same conversations. And I think anybody who is self-aware should be having those conversations right now. And I love that we are, you know, pulling back the the curtain on how we clean this up. Yes. And I think that, and, and again, this is, I'm not saying this as a pat on the back, but I do see kind of like with some of the reflections in that conversation, you know, as white women right now, some of us were kind of willing to offend somebody to find out what the right answer is. And that is, you know, and we're learning again, when we ask those questions, some of them come out great and, and some of them don't. And as we move forward, we're going to drop the ones that don't. 
Um, but some of us are willing to ask, you know, how do we, and, and, and learning that we aren't putting the onus back on the people who we've harmed <laughs> to, to fix this. That's what, you know, in every other aspect, we call that victim shaming or blaming. Yes. We basically just need to shut up about what we think about other people. We, unless we think somebody needs an advocate. Yeah. And then would fault her, you know, if the kid passes out at school or is sick or something, as you and I both know, yes. when a child doesn't thrive, no matter how much someone hinders you, it's the mother's fault. Only mother. Yes. Yes. Can I ask you, since we're talking about mother, I want to go to your childhood. Will you tell us what examples you saw in terms of what was beautiful, what a woman was supposed to be like or not like? Yes. Yes. And I saw, um, thankfully, a raised by a wonderful group of self-aware women. So I would think, I think all of them would agree that I learned um, some of each of those things from each of them. My mother has, uh, she's wonderful. She has a wonderful sister. I have a sister as well. Um, Her mother was close. They lived up the street and still do um, in the house my grandfather built. And now my sister lives with my grandmother taking care of her so she can stay there. Um, and I have to say, I think the best way to answer this is to briefly tell you about a group of my mother's friends. Um, so she was a, uh, a teacher who then, uh, you know, continued to pursue her, uh, you know, her education and ended up becoming a, a school administrator, um, got her master's and things like that and, um, became a very accomplished educator. And she's, she's taught everything from preschool to college. <laughs> um, and she has seen children and, and people from every imaginable background. And she created a group called the Gourmet Club <laughs> with her uh, teacher friends. And it was a handful of ladies who, you know, they tried to make it monthly, but it wasn't always. And Gourmet Club might be all, you know, it might have been like the 1980s version of what, you know, something, you know, Hot Pockets or something. If, if that's what, if you were hosting and that's what your day called for, then that's what you served. And the next time it was your turn, we might come and you might have cracked out the linen napkins and the silverware and, you know, all of those things. And so it was kind of whatever goes, but a commitment to be in each other's home without judgment and to, you know, kind of talk those things out. So there were women who, you know, looking back, um, were not straight, uh, but they were just single and forced to live alone. Um, there were women who are married. Uh, the lady I'm married or the the lady, um, one of the married women is uh, someone I'm named after. And she was notorious in our town because, she was once caught wearing pants downtown oh. on a Saturday afternoon, and it was against the community uh, school bylaws. Wow. Yeah. And she wouldn't have in it. And so, and now we get to wear pants. And I think too, we can't, you know, again, with that, we want to be humble, but recognizing our worth, what she did, there were so many other states where it was years later until that happened we forget. And even, you know, I, I ran for office as a very young woman and, oh, you better believe my age and qualifications came up. And that was, that was way before we knew who AOC was. Um, but it wasn't popular. And these little ways that we chip away at the structures that have been inappropriately containing us really, we all benefit from that and, and sharing what happened to us with kind of every swing we took. 
I, yeah, I wrote I, down I, when you said I didn't win that election, but I'm glad I ran. I am too. And I love that you said what she did. And I wrote next to that blazing trails. That's our responsibility. That's what I'm hoping must love self becomes is besides the fact that we have, I'm not joking. I have, I just counted last night. I have three years of women signed up. Yay! That is saying, right. that is right. That is saying that we need this conversation that we're tired of living like this, not just body stuff, our worth, our voices, our place, that we want to wear pants, that we want to we want to do everything. And I love that you brought her up. I want to know, um, before we get into our lightning round, you mentioned being the mother of boys. What do you do currently or have you done to help your boys have the outlet you, you mentioned the boys that made fun of you didn't have? Um. that's a lot to unpack. And my, my sons are probably better, um, apt to answer that. But I think, um, in a lot of ways, I did a lot of things that would seem completely unrelated. Um, but raising children that are helpful, raising children that are kind back to, you know, what I said before, you know, am I important or am I not? What is, you know, what is my worth? Eventually I'm just going to be dirt. And so raising kids to be kind, raising boys that, you know, my kids, my kids play, you know, first person shooter video games. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that we don't have that in my house. One of, one of the children in my house is he's 18, (laughs) you know, he has every right to go buy it and play it if he wants to play it, but he doesn't overindulge and he doesn't display other violent behavior. Um, You know, we've always been the people who stop for caterpillars and spiders. It's, you know. It's what you do. There is an inherent um, responsibility to be kind and to embrace yourself. I've tried to help them have, you know, we've had the self-esteem talks, the same self-esteem talks that my mom gave me, I've given my sons. It's, you know, it's no different. They struggle with you know, body image issues. And so I think what has been beneficial for us is preventing a need for that outlet. Yes. Um, I think I can imagine that you like me, we've probably had many, many, many of the same conversations with our boys about what their responsibility is as men in society, specifically white privileged men who, yeah. If you haven't told your sons not to rape people, like let's say it again it is actually our responsibility not to rape people I know that seems like why would you say that to them each of my sons down and said look okay we don't do this and it didn't even have to be a graphic discussion they know you don't think kids talk about sex hello do you remember the bathroom at a basketball game or a football game they they know so you don't have to be uncomfortable about getting in the nitty gritty my sons understand that if they lay hands on someone in a way that they should not i will still love them and i will show up in court you i will ask to sit on the other side and they might not have me and i'm not paying for your attorney either but i'll visit you i'm not asking you know exactly (laughs) I, i love you but what happens happens and i am not i'm not bailing you out yeah And I will be the first to apologize for your behavior and let people know you were told not to do this. Yes. And I also make it very, very clear with them that their responsibility is as significant if they have friends that are doing anything 
in that realm that they speak up and stop it. Before my kids got on any social media, anything where you can share an image, it doesn't have to be. And you are so great about this because you're constantly saying, Hey, this new app, check it. You don't know what's happening there, folks. Um, One of the talks that my sons got before they got any type of device, even email was about revenge porn. Mm -hmm. How if someone sends you something um, it, it stops with you. And if someone sent you something and you even liked it and, and you kept it and later you don't like that person, it still stops with you. Delete it. You know, that and and ex- but also they were raised to have the same expectations. They've always been I re- I've respected their autonomy. I also haven't let people. Um, you know, a friend of mine was telling another story the other week and my son's response was, I really wish your friend got to grow up at a time where people knew that boys weren't just for working. And, and it was true. And a lot of some of the negative impact on her as a young girl came from uh, the strain that was generationally put on men in her family. So, you know, my boys have known nobody's allowed to touch them either. Um, we live, uh, we live in Iowa on the I-80 corridor where human trafficking is a very real threat. And I'm the mother who stops and bangs. I, I give people a few minutes. I let anybody know who's going in. I ask them if they don't mind waiting. And then I clear it out before my sons go in. Oh and yeah. I've had people be offended, but honestly more so I've had men tell me, I wish my mom did that for me or something bad happened to me. And I wish someone would have cared. I make my six foot two son on the road stops, come in the bathroom with me. And he's like, what? If, I'm like, I don't care. I don't trust anybody. You're yeah, coming my, in the bathroom. My grown son is six for 230 pounds. I'm still in front of him in situations like that. We have, we're, we're getting there. We've gotten, a, you know, there's been a time or two where he's like, mom, I've got this. And I'm like, you do okay um but you know even then we just I just saw a thing in the news the other day 90 men found in a house you know we um I think as we all move forward we have to realize that there is some area where we are all victimized and once we accept that um we can you know we don't have to compare because truly if we are embracing each other as we should then it doesn't matter. We don't, we don't have to compare trauma because everybody should be getting, you know, the love equity that they need back to. I love that so much. Tell me what you, what quote you brought. My quote is one from great after school um, pep talks with my mom. A thing that is, I I hear her voice in my head (laughs) in many situations. And it's two really important questions that we need to learn to ask ourselves for everyone, but particularly for women, uh, because we have so many gatekeepers. And that is anytime we're trying to, you know, make a move, even if you're deciding, you know, is it okay to wear this to the fundraiser? Are people going to make fun of me? Or should I apply for this job, even though this other other boss said, I probably won't get it before I even said I wanted it. So these two questions, here they are. Do you need their approval? And do you want their approval? Mm. And can I ask you a question? Sure. Who is there? Who is there? Right? Who's there? I know what I know what you're so, talking about. There encompasses everybody in the situation. You know, I, I, I like to talk in, you know, other venues a lot about um, clothing and what clothing means to us. And, and, you know, the time where 
um, that our psyche is developing, where we're learning that we are separate from our parents and where we're learning that we have our own consciousness and, and some of that will um, is also a time where we have very little autonomy over how we look. Yet people address us <laughs> by how they see us. So that starts very, very young, you know, five to five to nine. I kind of open the window a little broader than maybe what a psychologist would, but we're all on a different curve. And um, so the there is, um, it's kind of like the royal we. It's, mm-hmm. it's the greater there. Uh, there can even be, um, you know, ourself is parted, you know, to yes. that connectivity. We aren't, you know, we aren't separate from society. And quite frankly, it's not the neighbor who's whispering in our ear in the morning that those jeans don't look good. It's mm. ourself. <laughs> I, I'm inviting you to lightning round because I could talk to you forever. <laughs> I want you to imagine one of your lowest points in life. I want you to tell us what you would say to that Maggie from the Maggie you are today, if you could say something to her now. Hmm. That's a tough one. What well, what is one of your lowest points? Well, I'll say this. I I I have a very strong inner dialogue. I learned several years some people don't have any. So I that, can't even that, fathom that. That might be you pro- just get a real positive friend that's loud like me. If you don't hear your own voice in your head. I've never met anyone that doesn't hear really? it. But it they're out there. It's I believe you. Of people. This quote does belong to someone. So I it's important to share it. Not original. And please Google who said this. I would say this is my inner feeling that got me through many incredibly difficult situations. And it's that, you know, I am not my mind. I am not my mind. I am not my body. And I am not my feelings. Mm. And when we learn to separate those things out were able to kind of survive as far as a situation I will share because I've had many and some have been physically challenging some have been emotionally challenging some have been um, a combination some have been difficulty that I endured that was inflicted on me by other people that it didn't matter what I did I was going to suffer I had a particularly bad illness flare um, right so as muscle in my side I was told I was always going to walk with a limb uh, on TPN so I wasn't even eating this infection was raging in my body Body. It was 0.004 millimeters away from penetrating my femoral artery. I was not a surgical candidate. I had just come out of several surgeries. They were treating me a heavy, heavy antibiotics. And they came in to just to tell me, this is what the MRI says. This is where we're at. And we just have to wait. And I said, well, how, you know, how do I, what, what can I do? How am I going to stop this from killing me? The first couple of people were very, you know, very caring, but very realistic. You know, when you have to tell somebody that they may die or that, you know, there's some things you need to be doing like now, just in case, but I'm super stubborn. So I didn't do those things. And I decided I wasn't going to pee for two days or move at all because you didn't want it you didn't want it to go want it to penetrate but I listened to my gut and I decided that's what I was going to do got in through a lot of other things I knew how my body reacts and I was willing to trust in what I knew my body was going to do regardless of whether there was any textbook or any expert that was going to agree with me And the people who took, and my doctors were lovely, but the people who took the best care of me were the CNAs who were swabbing my mouth, blotting my head, changing my channel, holding my hand, telling me to keep going, telling me this was crazy, but that I could do it. 
And it worked. No, I waited just long enough that the antibiotics could start to take effect, um, that my drain output slowed down, that I could finally take a piss. So what um, you would say to yourself, but what I was trusting yourself then was that I was trusting myself, but that also I didn't have any feelings that my body was failing me. If I had given in and started punishing myself for being in that situation, or if I had allowed the messages from those doctors who said that I could have prevented this to seep in, my soul wouldn't have survived. Mm -hmm. You know, how we are feeling is tied to our mind and our body. But when we need to, we can really rise above and acknowledge that those are all different things. You know, I'm constantly teaching my kids, the, the more you can learn that something bad is happening around you and not happening to you, the better off you are, because that is a situation where something bad was happening to me. I want to know what 80 year old Maggie would say to you now. Oh, let's get some raspberry frozen yogurt. <laughs> I love it. And if I, and I think I would really like who I am right now. What does it mean to be beautiful? We are all so inherently beautiful because to me you know beauty does come from usefulness we really need to redefine what usefulness is we do all of us are useful all of us are essential what does it mean to be a strong woman finding what you need to to get through the present you don't have to be a marathoner today you don't have to deadlift your husband and if you (laughs) ask him first consent's important all around excited consent Yes, but I think, you know, to be a strong woman is just gathering whatever grit you need to get to the next step for you and hopefully finding, you know, even if it's a little more grit, maybe borrow some, if you can use that to get yourself into a position that's even better, you know, for you. Amen. (laughs) You don't have to be this, this giant loud force or have physical strength. You just, you just need just enough to get yourself. That's what do you want others to say about you, Maggie? Whatever they want. Hmm. If you find out you only have six months left to live, what do you want to do with the rest of your time? Probably the exact same thing I'm doing right now. That's awesome. Last words. You get one piece of advice for every woman that's listening to hear what you want to say to them. I love you. How do we find you? How do we follow your beauty? How, do, how does anyone get to know and experience you? I'm on Instagram. It's a real mishmash at pretty underscore sick. It's a lot of like puppies and, and bug paparazzi, like actual insects. I'm telling you in case you're afraid, but they're beautiful people. No, no less important than you. Marvelous. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. So, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you are willing to rate, review, and share with your people, it makes such a difference for others to find it. And if you wanted to check out my memoir, Seconds and Inches, it's available on Amazon as an audiobook with me narrating, a paperback, and digital. I promise you, you will love it. Have an awesome day, and I love you. And one more thing, there's absolutely nothing wrong with you. La, 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 la,